Hi, my name is Mike Dolphson, and welcome to the EdTech Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EdTech Podcast, the show about new ideas in education, teaching, and learning. I'm Sophie Bailey. This week, we've got an awesome takeover episode on dyslexia and technology, featuring Dr. Kate Saunders from the British Dyslexia Association and Mike Tolfson from Microsoft Education. 10% of the population are estimated to be dyslexic. That means for every 10 of your colleagues or 10 of your students or 10 of your relatives or friends, on average, one has dyslexia. In the workplace, the law stipulates that you must make reasonable adjustments to accommodate the needs of dyslexics. That might mean managing overloading environments such as open plan offices, adjusting intranets or screens so that they are less stimulating, allowing for longer time periods for organisation or kicking off a dyslexia mentoring scheme within your place of work. But what is being done before work in schools, colleges and universities to move the national dialogue to one which celebrates neurodiversity at the earliest moment? And how can technology assist dyslexic learners? In this episode, we look at tech tools and coping strategies for dyslexic learners, what resources, training and funding is available for teachers working with dyslexic learners, Microsoft's learning tools, OneNote and Classroom Note features for dyslexic learners, the story behind how this came to fruition and an efficacy pilot study between the BDA, Microsoft and Norhill School in the UK on how such tools are improving outcomes. We also talk a bit about playing the banjo, people who have inspired Kate and Mike, the Seattle music scene and celebrating difference. Dr Saunders also puts an important call out to the wider edtech community to assist on ideas for how to connect with young people through technology to continue to innovate BDA services. If you want to help on that, you can email helpline at bdadyslexia.org.uk and they will be very excited to hear from you. If you want to listen to the full solar edits of each interview, you'll also find these and all reference links on the EdTech podcast feed. And you can find out more at bdadyslexia.org.uk and www.onenote.com forward slash learning tools. Finally, if you're listening to this in time and attending BET this year in London, you can also meet Dr. Kate Saunders and Mike Tolfson in person at the Microsoft Village Stand to discuss in more detail. Have a great week, everyone, and do send your feedback on email, Twitter, Anchor, or the Facebook page. It would be great to hear from you all. It's uh, probably six o'clock in the morning, your side. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for making the time. So I know what it's like when you're just waking up and you're straight into it, but perhaps you've already been up for a little while anyway. Yeah, no, I get up a little while ago. I get up pretty early, typically. <laughs> what time do you go to sleep? Also pretty early, probably about 10. Okay, that's good. Yeah, as long as you get the sleep in. Perfect. So I'm very excited to have secured some time with Mike Tolson at 6am in Seattle. Is that right? Yep, bright and early. (laughs) Bright and early. Uh, And Mike is the lead on Microsoft OneNote. And today we are talking about the role of technology in supporting those with dyslexia and some projects on the the learning tool side uh, of things. But before we kick off, so if you're listening to this whilst tweeting away, you can find Mike at mtolfson on Twitter. And just to go completely tangential, um, if I'm correct, you also play the banjo. Is that right? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I do. I 
play guitar, I play a little banjo, play some other instruments, but you know, banjo's one that always puts a smile on people's face. Yeah. So well, yeah, yeah, it cheered me up. So uh, do you have a, a band <laughs> with a, a banjo in it? I I don't have a band with a banjo in it. Okay. I, I was in bands for a long time, but I've I've only played the banjo for small audiences. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, I'm looking for uh, someone to put a jingle together for the podcast. So uh, maybe I've come to the right place. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you've got some good music that comes out of Seattle as well. Yeah, yeah. I've been lucky enough to be around Seattle back where, back in the day, back when a lot of those bands were coming around. So um, for those listening who perhaps aren't so familiar with what you do, are you able to give a little bit of context around how you came to work in Microsoft and what you focus on now on the education side as well? Sure. So I, my current role, I'm, I'm what's called a product manager at Microsoft, and I work in the education space and particularly on OneNote. But I started at Microsoft, gosh, over 20 years ago. I entered right out of college and I started in engineering at Microsoft, and I worked on a bunch of different products. I, some of you probably have heard of Microsoft Outlook. So I worked on the very, very original version of Outlook back when it was a, a very, very small little baby. And then I worked on some other products around Exchange, which is our mail server. I worked on OneNote for a while. I've worked on Office 365, SharePoint. So I've had a chance to work around a bunch of different groups at Microsoft and I ended up more recently, sort of on and off, I've worked in education at Microsoft. Uh, originally, about over 10 years ago, I worked on OneNote doing education stuff. And then I took a little break. And then I came back a few years ago, again, working on education. And I work on both OneNote and learning tools, which is something that we'll probably be talking about just a little bit. Uh, yes, if you can tell us a little bit about learning tools, and as I understand it, that's more the side where you've collaborated on, you know, how you can assist those with dyslexia and support how they go about teaching learning. Yeah, and it's actually, it's kind of an interesting story, at least for me, because you know, I don't have a, a deep background in, in dyslexia other than uh, about a year and a half ago is when I first got involved a bit. And at Microsoft, we have, every year we have something called the Microsoft Hackathon which is where the company takes a week during the summer and you can work on whatever project you want. So any project you have passion about, you can find like-minded people at the company and get together for a week and just build something, usually just prototypes. And so I, I got together with uh, another set of people at Microsoft. And at Microsoft, we've got a pretty diverse set of characters. <laughs> and I was working with some top reading experts and font experts and research people and accessibility people and some designers. And we got together and we built this thing. It's called Learning Tools. And the idea was we took some of the top research that we had, because we have a lot of researchers at our company and also obviously existing industry research. And we said, hey, what if we made some tools that would really focus to help people with dyslexia, dysgraphia, both of those things. And what if we made it such that it ultimately could help everyone? So we might focus on people with dyslexia, but a lot of the techniques we believed would help people across the spectrum. So maybe people with ADHD, English language learners or English as a second language might help people who are a bit older and have eye issues and eye strain. And so ultimately, we put this thing together and it ended up winning this Microsoft Hackathon. And so, and the Microsoft Hackathon's pretty big in terms of the number of teams that are competing. 
And so when we won this hackathon, this is in the summer of 2015, then in our group they said, well, hey, why don't we turn this prototype into an actual real thing and start testing it out with schools and teachers and, and students. And so that was the origin of this learning tools part. And then since then, what we've seen is we've seen enough excitement, we've seen some positive results, and so now we're looking to bring it much beyond just OneNote where it initially started. We're looking to bring it into a whole suite of Microsoft products. That's pretty cool. So what, what's kind of the outcome of when you win that prize? Yeah, it's a good question because for me anyway, I'd never won anything like that and we weren't really sure what would happen. And there's not really a set path by which it goes. It, it just depends. Sometimes we've had projects win where they're not fully funded. No, they, they move along, but they're not necessarily mainstream enough to be taken at a broad scale. And I think with learning tools, it just hit the right notes and we saw the right responses to which our internal vice president really believed in it. And also Satya Nadella is a huge believer in not just accessibility, but empowering everyone. I mean, our company's mission is empowering every person on the planet to achieve more. And if you think about dyslexia, let's say, it's estimated up to one in five people um, are dyslexic, maybe diagnosed, maybe not diagnosed. And that that means is, well, hey, we can't just leave one in five people behind. We let, when we say empowering everyone, we need to make sure we're really empowering everyone. So there was definitely support inside the company to move it forward. And so that's where, you know, although I do have a day job, the learning tools became the other half of my day job. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, though, a lot of fun. You know, if you could describe the actual tool that you developed, how would you do that? Well, what we did was, so if you look at something like, say, well, OneNote, which some people may be familiar with, some not, or even Microsoft Word or some of these other programs, let's say Outlook, there's a lot of user interface and there's a lot of text in many cases. And so what we did was we tried to design there's a couple pieces. The main piece is called the what we call the immersive reader. And what that does is it tried we collected a set of techniques that are known to help Again, not only people with dyslexia, they're known to help many different, you know, ADHD, we have uh, people with dysgraphia that these have helped. But we took some different tools and techniques and put them together and also added a few new technologies into it. So, for example, one of the things that when you launch this immersive reader to help focus, um, you know, 40% of people with dyslexia also have ADHD. So, it's, it's actually a, a pattern. Hmm. So, we have this thing called focus mode where... We make a lot of the user interface get simplified, and we display the text in a much more less distracting way. Another thing we have is we have text-to-speech or something that's also called read-aloud. So we hooked up, so if you hit a play button, it'll actually start, it'll highlight the word with the highest contrast. We put high contrast focus on the word. We also have light highlighting on the line, and we dim the rest of the page, and so we get that multi-sensory processing, so text-to-speech, so you can follow along with the words, which, again, that's not a revolutionary technique, but if you start to think about, okay, now we've got Microsoft Office, and we're starting to build some of these types of tools into Office, and we're making them available for free. When it's in Office, it's also non-stigmatizing, which a lot of uh, dyslexics or, or special needs kids, let's say they have to use this clunky special software. And so now we're saying, Got hey, it, this yeah. is built into Office. So we have text-to-speech. We also have the ability, special line spacing. 
So a lot of folks have visual crowding where you might look at a page of text that's dense and get lost where you are in that text. And so there's some techniques around research where if you expand the line spacing and letter spacing in certain ways, it can improve reading speeds. And then we have some also things around font sizes that we have some the way the font looks. And then the other parts we have are around these new techniques. One is called syllabification. And so with a click of a button, you can just click the syllables button and it'll break all the words on the page by syllables, which is, again, that's a technique that's wow. very commonly used. That, that, that's really cool. But that would also be cool to sort of teach poetry and I'm just thinking of other applications of it. Absolutely. And that's the type of thing where it might be targeted towards one population, but it can help lots of different folks. Now, if you're learning English or if you're learning a new language, it turns out syllabification is very helpful, right? Try to imagine a German word yeah, <laughs> and yeah. uh, without being broken into syllables, it's actually much harder to parse than when it's broken down. Absolutely. And Welsh. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Welsh is another um, good one. Well, it's interesting. I was going to ask you. So, for example, you mentioned, um, you know, you'd started to, to go on after positive results. And I know you've been talking to people here in the UK about um, applications. But, but before we talk about that, one thing I wanted to know is when you're having these conversations, you must have people with their sort of shopping list of, oh, this is brilliant. But can you also do X, Y and Z? And I just wondered... Uh, if you could share a little bit about what other services people are excited about having come online as well. So, yeah, we do have people who say, I wish I could do X, Y, and well, I'm going to say Z because I'm an American, but I, <laughs> I, I could translate what you said, Zed. Um, there's, for example, we have a lot of people, again, in the dyslexia world who've asked for Beyond syllable breaks, they want to have morphological breaks or morpheme breaks where you, you break the word in different areas. Oh, okay. So that's something that, again, we're hoping to add in the future. But right now, there's a lot of things out there that don't do morphological breaks. So we've heard examples there. We've also heard examples for where people say, we do custom highlighting of nouns and verbs or, um, in, in learning tools. So you can click a button and highlight all the nouns in purple. Or you can click on the button and highlight all the verbs in red. So we've had a lot of people ask for customizations because certain people like different colors for different parts of speech. And so there's been some requests we've had on, hey, hey, it's great. You can highlight the nouns and verbs, but how can the, my kids want to highlight all the verbs in blue? <laughs> or they want to have you know, different, different colors for different vowels even where are some mm -hmm. examples. So it's been interesting talking to different folks in the community, hearing the different types of requests, because when you start to get down into the nitty gritty, there are some more details in there that in our original hackathon, when we built this, you know, we knew enough, but we don't, we're not as deep as obviously the people who've been doing this a long, long time. So we're learning more and more things as we get there. Amazing. And um, no doubt off the back of this, you have a whole load of people coming back with ideas and suggestions. But um, I mean, what, what would be really great is um, I know following your conversations with people here in the UK, if you can uh, let us know a little bit about uh, what those conversations have entailed and uh, who you're collaborating with here as well. Sure. So what we're working with the British Dyslexia Association on a project right now, the, the BDA. And what's interesting that the original way that I even met someone from the BDA was at BET last yeah. year. And we were just demoing an early, early version of learning tools at the BET conference. And a gentleman from the BDA came walking up, and he actually uh, is dyslexic as well. And he saw the learning tools, and he became very interested. 
And so he was asking a lot of questions. And so we explained it to him and showed it to him. And then after that, some of our folks in the UK also had continued to talk with the British Dyslexia Association. And so we've been looking for, we're starting to do more research on learning tools right now. And so we started a research project with Kate Saunders from the BDA and some others. And we're looking to measure the efficacy of learning tools in the classroom. And so that's, that project is ongoing right now. And we have some other projects we're looking at as well where we had a project in Georgia that was run actually just by a teacher. We didn't have an entire association measuring the results, but we did have teachers measuring some results in Georgia fairly recently. And they saw reading speeds increase with learning tools quite dramatically. So they had special needs class where they were seeing increases of from four words per minute to 30 words a minute from 22 words a minute in some kids up to 50 words per minute. So they were seeing some substantial reading speed increases. And so after that, we started saying, well, let's get some more projects out there where we can have more of a longer time frame for research and work some closely with some of these associations. So we have one in, in uh, with the BDA going in the UK. We have another one starting up more closer to home here in the Seattle area as well. Interesting. Actually, well, on Friday, I was at an event, which was um, EdTech for Publishers. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking if you're a publisher of a really fantastic novel or um, something on the curriculum, it'd be great to then make sure that that functionality was available for your text so that, like you say, you can increase the accessibility to that reading experience to a wider audience. Absolutely. So that's a great point. And that's something that we hope to explore more in the future yeah, because ultimately the more places that we can make this technology available as just another way to experience reading, then that's a great thing for everybody. Okay. So, I mean, just, just going a bit more broadly, what's your own sort of particular take on uh, technology for learning? And, you know, it's, it's one of those topics that people get incredibly passionate about how to execute. So, the, you know, the benefit is there for the learner and there, there's a, a whole raft of different positions on this. But just personally, I mean, it's interesting to know, uh, you know, what your take on that is. Yeah, no, I, that's an interesting topic. I mean, obviously, I work in technology and education and I'm a, I'm a believer in it when it's used properly, you could say, because that's probably yeah. usually the standard answer, which is it's not just a it's not just a hammer for every nail out there. But I think on the side where I think it's very powerful is a big part is personalization is a really big one. And I think just an example, just as we're talking about learning tools, where where technology can help a teacher scale and personalize in ways that might be impossible otherwise. Because, for example, at least in the U.S., on average, you'll see four levels of reading in one class. And you might have special needs kids, you might have English language learners integrated, you might have gifted kids, you might have a whole range of kids, and teachers are expected to personalize. And so with some of the technologies we use with OneNote, which has a lot of personalization capabilities, but even with learning tools where different kids can personalize those tools in ways that work best for them, right? Because the same software, the, the same way that Sophie reads might be very different than the way that Mike reads, and Mike needs to tweak different things, and uh, Sophie might tweak things quite differently. And if there's no personalization with that technology, that becomes very difficult to impossible, right? How does the teacher scale and personalize 30 things? I mean, it's, it's just not possible. So then what happens is the teacher has to 
kind of do the best they can, he or she can, with the resources they have. So I believe personalization with technology is a huge boon in the way we do things and related even in the future when you could start to have software help provide even an adapt to that personalization gets quite interesting. And so what I've seen a lot is the tools that at least I work on with OneNote and with learning tools, the teachers allow a lot of personalization. And I think that's one of the most powerful parts where technology can help and, and scale beyond what one person can do. It's interesting. I mean, um, the PISA results came out today as well. And um, I haven't checked. I just thought that would have been quite an interesting thing to do to check the US ranking on reading. But uh, obviously, every time that comes out, there's a big scrabble for, you know, what's the strategy and, uh, you know, how are we going to, you know, remain uh, sort of competitive in those rankings. And then, Obviously, there's a big nuance behind that as well around sort of teacher uh, investment in teachers and quality and so on. But, um, you know, it is an interesting one when you're thinking about reading and the, the various levels that you just mentioned. Yeah. I mean, the, the classes today in, in many classes, like I visited a classroom in L.A. where there were, I think, 43 students in one class. And so that's that's pretty tough. I don't, I don't care how good of a teacher you are. 43 kids is a huge mm. class. And so... How do you personalize to 43 kids? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty it's, tough. I mean, like last week I was interviewing a um, CEO of uh, an academy here in the UK. So I think he was responsible for six primary schools, one secondary school coming online. You know, his classes are 80 to 90 percent or schools, should I say, um, English as a second language. So you mm-hmm. know, perhaps having, the, you know, support for, you know, when it isn't as intuitive and perhaps, you, you know, you picking out those nouns or those verbs I can imagine could be yeah I think I'd find that incredibly useful let alone uh, like if you're right at the beginning yeah we're seeing a very large adoption of learning tools just for the English language learner population like for example in we have some schools in Florida where they have a high Spanish speaking population and learning tools is incredible incredibly powerful for kids who are just starting to learn English and what we're seeing is is that that is actually driving quite a bit of interest because there's turns out there's even more English language learners in many schools than there are kids with dyslexia or dysgraphia. Yeah. And that's where the that benefit of inclusive design comes in where we just say, you know what? It can help a whole range of people. And so I guess that's the fun of product design is when you you know you come up with something and you throw it out there and then and then all of these other ways of using or interpreting that um, come to life which you hadn't anticipated. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the best part after that is, is with a technology company like Microsoft or some of these larger tech companies, then you get you can integrate into scale. So we're bringing these things into Microsoft Word, and Microsoft Word is used by a whole lot of people. And so that's a case where all of a sudden now you say, you know what, you don't have to have stigmatizing tools, they're not expensive, we're bringing these technologies into things like Microsoft Word where the whole world can use it at that point. And we're bringing it to many, many languages. So that's kind of our goal is is scale. So on that front, when can we expect to sort of be able to use this? Well, you can, today is the answer, I guess. Uh, with OneNote anyway, OneNote is free. So you can download OneNote for free at OneNote.com. And then learning tools, at least the initial version that we did, is also a free add-on for OneNote. So that's actually okay. out there. It's in the marketplace. You can download it. It's a... Uh, it's available today and schools are using it. The thing that's new is that it's it's in the process probably this week 
or maybe early next week, it's starting to roll out in Microsoft Word, the desktop version of Word. So you have, if you're on Office 365 and you have the desktop version yep. where, we up, where we update it regularly, that's coming out probably next week. It's starting to roll out. And we've already just started rolling out the way it works with service software as it rolls out slowly, as you, you probably already know, where you don't turn everything on at once. You kind of slowly roll it out over a few weeks. We have the web version of Word and the web version of OneNote have learning tools coming out. It's rolling out right now. And so we've got it starting to flow out everywhere. We don't have all the languages for the web versions yet. Those are going to be coming probably in early January. But it's, it's happening right now in English, and it'll, it'll roll out farther once we get that done. That's very exciting. And so are you 100% focused on that at the moment, or are you on a, a new product? Well, I'm, I'm focused on a few things. Learning tools is, is definitely a chunk. The other part is I work on what's called OneNote class notebooks, which is it's actually really nice because it can integrate with learning tools very well in that, in that personalization and differentiation sense where OneNote class notebook is a way for kids and teachers to collaborate in a classroom in both private spaces and public spaces. And so what's nice with learning tools is, and we're already seeing this, where teachers can distribute content to their little private student binders. So, you know, little Sophie gets one thing and little Mike gets another thing and all the other kids get a different thing. Um, kind of like handing out papers, but distributing yeah, digital yeah. paper privately and publicly. And so I work a lot on OneNote class notebooks. And so it's kind of a nice combination where I get to see learning tools being used inside of class notebooks. So it's kind of fuses those things together in a way. So that's where I spend a bit of my other time. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like, you know, it's, there's definitely enough work to go around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other fun thing that I did a hackathon on, and we actually put it out there a couple of weeks ago, is, and in the UK, I believe it's it's not as popular in the as in the US, but is there a homeschooling in the UK at all? Yeah, yeah, there is. I, I'm not sure. I mean, what, what kind of percentage would, do you think it would be in the US, roughly speaking? I think it's estimated in the U.S. there's over 2 million homeschooled children, 2.5, 2 million, 2.5. Okay. Yeah, so I, we did a hackathon project because if you think about it, back to empowering every person on the planet and every student, so the homeschool communities don't have access to the same education software that, that schools do, even though a lot of them are doing similar types of things. And so we said, hey, what if we made it possible for homeschool families to get our free education offering just like a school can get? And so we did a hackathon to, to put that together, and we launched just a, a small pilot a few weeks ago. It was actually, it, it sold out, so to speak, within a matter of hours, so it, it actually filled up, and there was a whole lot of interest. So that was something where, to tie in back to dyslexia, it turns out that a fairly significant portion of homeschoolers are people who left the public schools because their child had special needs and, in many cases, dyslexia, and they weren't being able to get enough personalization in the school. And so the families have said, you know what, I'm going to make sure that we give my child all the attention they need. And so there's actually a fairly high number of dyslexic children who are homeschooled. That's really, really interesting because um, I was talking to another lady on, well, she was on a panel I was moderating, and she was giving the perspective of a parent that had um, pretty much experienced this. And I suppose uh, she was in a position which, you know, self-recognized, you know, lucky enough to be able to take that child that needed the extra 
support and put them in an, in an independent school. You know, if you aren't in the position necessarily to to just um, you know select a different option, then homeschooling would be would be an alternative. So um, I have one final question. Well, a couple just to wrap up. Um, first one is uh, where can people connect with you? So will you be coming to Bet? Yeah. So I will be at Bet, and I'll be actually doing quite a few presentations on learning tools. So if you want to come and learn about learning tools and swing by the Microsoft booth at Bet, and and I will be there quite a bit. And in terms of just connecting with me in general, I'm I'm fairly active on Twitter, and so as you mentioned. My handle in the earlier in the show it's it's M and then my last name T is in Thomas H O L F is in Frank S E N so reach out on Twitter and I will usually get back to you fairly quickly or LinkedIn is also pretty good and then and- in the U S I'll be at ISTE is probably a big one I'll be at the um, the American version of Ben I would call it ISTE is in San Antonio this year I'll be there. Fantastic. And just finally, so on the product engineering side, who would you consider some of the heroes of yours in terms of people who've inspired you or uh, pioneers out there? Gosh, that's a good one. I think, you know, I, I guess it's it's a fairly standard answer. And also I work at Microsoft, but I think he is pretty inspirational. Obviously, Bill Gates, I think, has done some pretty amazing things. And, and uh, you know, I won't go into the backstory on that one. You know, I think in terms of, of tech ingenuity and strategy, I think right now Jeff Bezos is is very interesting. The head of Amazon, I think yeah. he's pretty inspirational on this. The way the way he fuses strategy together with technology, I think is is quite impressive. And then I think on the on, on the ed tech side, a guy that I've gotten a chance to know, you know, reasonably well in the last few years is Alan November, and he's done some amazing things in fusing thinking about education and technology and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his I think he's pretty inspirational okay well thank you so so much um, if we ever get the chance to you know sit down and share some uh, banjo music together I would love that and uh, <laughs> and um, you know I'm going to be at uh, Bet as well so it'd be great to come and say hello in person oh yeah swing by uh, we'll get you a cape we'll, we'll have you a one note Avenger cape That'd be brilliant. I'd love that. Um, Well, thank you so much, Mike, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Hey, thanks a lot, Sophie. That's all for this episode. If you want to catch up with the BDA Technology Committee, then please email helpline at bdadyslexia.org.uk. If you want to download the Learning Tools plugin, please go to www.onenote.com forward slash learning tools. And if you want to catch up with either myself, Mike, or Dr. Kate Saunders at BET, email theedtechpodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week, everyone. And don't forget you can download each episode individually to hear even more great detail from both of this week's guests or follow at Podcast EdTech.